It's a sensitive, delicate deal, dragging brand new songs out of the sky. Trading ideas, accepting some, storing others in the maybe later bag, moving on and along with hardly a plan. During the Zep years, I never imagined a full-scale album project without the other guys, and even less the idea of new writing partners. But then, since 1981, I've enjoyed many amazing, exciting musicians in the sharing, in the writing, in production and engineering. Men and women who encouraged and enlightened, introducing me to crazy curves I could never have imagined. For this podcast, I'm going to be picking out some songs from here and there along the way, mixing constant shifts in sound and intention from across this long, old time. There's a story in all of them. I'm Robert Plant, and this is Digging Deep. Here we are then, the very last episode in this special live interview season of Digging Deep. And over the past five episodes, you've heard me and Robert dissecting and discussing a series of songs from his formidable back catalogue. This time, though, in front of a live audience at the Rough Trade East record store in London. Something that was done to mark the release of the Digging Deep 7-inch vinyl box set. And the playlist of that box set is now available to stream online as well. So as well as talking about a song, it was a live recording, so even more spontaneous than usual. And in fact, we ended up discussing some of Robert's future plans, which you'll find out more about in a moment. But let's start with a track which is taken from Robert's 1988 album, Now and Zen, an album we haven't featured on the Digging Deep podcast until now. So prepare to learn the secret identity of the tall, cool one. The 80s. Now, we've talked about this before on the podcast, about how, you know, some of the production of the 80s has not aged well, but that, that's got a pretty stomping rock heart to it. I think that one's that one sounds like a strong tune. What kind of heart? Stomping rock heart is what I, I say. Think. I knew I had another name for my... I'll have a tattoo before it's over. Yeah. Well, you know, the thing is, it's a riff from, is it Johnny Burnett's rock and roll trio? I don't know. What is it? Where's it come from? Um, at that point, you know, I'd, I'd given up with the whole idea of being a rock singer. You know, it's like, hello, is there anybody else out there who's got this thing going on? Oh, yes, somebody else can do that. I'm going to do this kind of camp rock other way of doing things a little bit somewhere between Iggy Pop and... Um, maybe talking heads or something like that. Just go someplace where it's it's almost there, but it's it's letting you know it could be a lot more violent and a lot more cliched. But the great thing about that was I was in, again, such a different period of time. The guys I was working with them, uh, Dave Barrett and Phil Johnston, they had a project called, I think it was called The Acts of God, an assuming bunch. 
DJs and, and goodness knows what. And we used to take like night sessions from midnight or something down the bottom of the Mile End Road and work on these tracks. And it was really good because the, their process of recording was so sort of different, way different to anything. The elaborate working with uh, the emotion. This was about bombast, but in a kind of mutant way. Yeah. You know, so it was appropriate to use those certain lighten up, baby, I'm in love with you. I mean, I wouldn't say that now, <laughs> unless I had a reason. But um, <laughs> again, this week. But yeah, it was good. I mean, really, really good. And the players were all readjusting, except for Barrett and Johnston, who um, <clears throat> were really, really, they took no. Uh, prisoners at all with me at all. They thought I was some sort of museum piece that they could fuck about with. And, and they were about right, really, because we did a, they wrote a song called Heaven Knows, which was uh, on that album, too, and it's a great piece of music. I mean, but all that techno, early techno, Cubase stuff and the, the guitars, everything was, was just so crazy. And then it became like it was all right. I was already in the middle of a whirlpool of oddness sounds like a prog rock album but but it was really really weird and it was great for me i went wow i don't understand any of the way you're doing this with this stuff and what do you mean you just do that and it's all there on that (laughs) yeah okay and it was brilliant it was really good but we did some great stuff together and jimmy came along and played a solo um how was that it was good it was brilliant i mean obviously And uh, the Beastie Boys had just been sampling Bonzo on uh, out on the tiles or something like that, the ocean. And um, I thought, well, that's a good idea. That you can't get a better drum sound. You know, if you think about the drums on when the levee breaks or something. Oh, this is mic placement. Jimmy Page on acid. It was just so good. <coughs> and so, why not use it again and again and again and again and again? So I started sampling Led Zeppelin stuff and whacking it on the end of the records. It's and yours? That, well, it isn't mine. It's the grand hours. Yeah. But I just went into the whole um, joy of it all, really. And as I was still with Atlantic Records then, there was no point in suing me because I was already <laughs> on their label anyway. <laughs> Nobody came along to say, hey, that's good. We'll get plenty of radio play with that. Uh, so nobody knew what was doing anyway from the label. <laughs> and, um, and they had bigger fish to fry. Phil, Phil Collins was doing really well with Susudio and stuff like that. And uh, so I was left to my own devices magically. Yeah. though it's really good and I like that whole idea of going into character the 175 millisecond slap back on the vocal that getting it getting in there and wearing a leather jacket with no sleeves yeah this is it I was watching I was watching the video because one of the cool things you know a load of your videos have been like 
repolished, remastered, and put out again. It's really <coughs> nice to see them in like in the full, full HD and watching the video and just like remembering how important MTV was at that time. It was like it wasn't just. No, ah, that's right. It was the platform. I was on maximum rotation. You can only imagine what that's like. <laughs> I was chest of the year in 1969, uh, king of cock rock in 1970, and then by 1988, I was on maximum rotation, which I felt really good about. Well, I had a mullet. Everything was really going my way. <laughs> and there's a guy, one of the guys who founded it is a guy called, called Les Garland, and he's like a real legend in the land of uh, music and music TV, and, he's, and I see him now and again. He lives just on the edge of a Blackfoot reservation in uh, Indiana somewhere, and he comes to gigs, and he comes in the dressing room, and he flies in the dressing room, and he's the same age as me, and he's a big guy with a red coat on and a wonderful wife, and he runs an art gallery somewhere in nowhere, and he comes in with some homemade hooch, and he t starts telling the sensational space shifters, just what it was like on MTV, you know, and it was just like, his energy level is magnificent, it's of that time, you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he was really quite a piece of work, but um, there was a whole scene then going on when VH1 was born, you know, and uh, the guys who ran that, I know them quite well, and they... Um, they were, they were space shifters too, you know, it was great. So, yeah, it's right. I mean, Talk Cool One was a major spinner on MTV and uh, very funny. Who is, the, uh, who is the Tall Cool One? Is it you, Robert? Well, it was earlier on. But I don't know whether there's been any shrinkage. Uh, I mean, I don't know how tall I am now. I'm, I see marks on the wall, watermarks, but uh, yeah, I can be if I try. Just might have to work my hair in a bit more. We it's a have. good game, though, and it? it's a good game. Think about it. What else could it be like? <laughs> I was going to be an accountant. How far do you, down the accountancy route did you... Could you still fall back on that if the music thing doesn't work out for you? I'm falling back on it now with Saving Grace all the time, yeah. I went about four grams into it and then just turned left. Finally, because we are coming to the end of our time, what is what's what can you talk about that's next? Where is if there is a roadmap? And the nearest bar for a kickoff because I didn't drink very much yesterday. The excitement of drinking zero percent alcohol in a stadium in Barcelona and seeing what people do when they think that they've drunk a lot of beer right. is well, I intend to reverse that completely. Um, uh, my body is my temple, but only for another five minutes, I think. And we've done a few of these talks now. Do you want to keep doing them? Should we keep talking about some more songs in the future? But I'd like, please, sir, if I could, to bring in a couple of 
bits and pieces that I did in New Orleans and also stuff that's not anywhere to be found and maybe have a, if we called it digging deep and we were starting to do this, I think we need to have a slightly, we need to bring in a treasure from somebody else. Yeah. And maybe even get them on the phone. Stuff that no one's ever heard before. Well, yeah, they probably heard it, but they forgot it. I, sort of, I don't know. Yeah. Okay. I'll take that as a yes then. Well, I... <laughs> I don't know what it means anyway. I mean, the people said to me in America, you should put some adverts around this, you'll make a lot of money. But I, I like the idea of talking about these things because the people I played with are incredible players and great spirits, really, really good people. And, you know, the funny thing is, people are now saying that some of that stuff back then it was good. And at the time, they were saying, what a piece of shit this is. It's like, <laughs> hey, you know, it's come right round. And now, you know, the wallpaper's back on the wall. Yeah. Well, the box set is a thing of beauty. I have to thank everybody. Everybody, especially uh, Lucy and uh, Nick and the, the people at Warner's, because it's not something I would have ever imagined doing. I've got some great stuff I recorded in Morocco, by the way, but that's where the, yeah, the story, though, yeah. But it's great. It's really good. It's nice to... I love vinyl, and I think really that everybody who buys a box should have a, a turntable free of charge. <laughs> but that's not going to happen, though. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, the more, more people can actually get into the vinyl element of things. It's a beautiful thing. So thank you for doing this. Thank you very much. It's always a pleasure it's always a pleasure um, thank you for coming along it just just gotta say ladies and gentlemen thank you very much Mr Robert Plant That was Tall Cool One, the final track featured on this live season of the Digging Deep podcast. You can check out all of Robert's back catalogue now on all good streaming services and the Digging Deep podcast playlist is streaming now live as well. Also, all the other episodes of Digging Deep are up wherever you get your podcasts. If you haven't done so, subscribe and get stuck in. There's amazing songs and some brilliant stories in there. So it just remained to me to say thank you from me, from Robert and from the team. We continue to be amazed and overjoyed by the reactions we get from these shows. We love making them, and we really appreciate you downloading them. So hopefully we'll see you very, very soon. Be careful out there, and keep your loved ones close, if not physically, then certainly emotionally. This has been a Cup and Nuzzle production. I've been Matt Everett. Thanks for listening. <laughs>